This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. I want to introduce our guest, Ernie Kruger. Ernie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Steve. It's great to be with you, my friend. Man, it's great to be with you. And I just have to first say this. Uh, the accent is just so great. And uh, <laughs> you're going to have to tell people where you're from. But personally, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Ernie tell us a lot. But uh, personally, it also means a lot to me because my first mentor in ministry, my, my first true mentor, uh, as I told you when we met, is from South Africa, from Port Elizabeth. His name was Brian Jennings, and he's in the presence of the Lord uh, now. But a tremendous impact on my life in a very short time. And so even when wow. I met you, and uh, oh, yeah, Brian Jennings, just love him, uh, you know, just kind of took me back to a place many years ago where someone invested in me and believed in me. And Ernie, you're a pastor evangelist, former rugby star uh, from (laughs) South Africa. Man, and when we met, I mean, God just sort of had this crazy thing. You were here in San Antonio. Well, I'm going to give it to you. You you tell us uh, how we met, and then uh, we'll go from there. I feel like I'm talking too much, Ernie. I want to hear from you. No, no, you're great. You're great. Well, first, um, when when you say where I'm from, I'm from South Africa, obviously, as you just alluded. Um, My brother, actually, and his wife, uh, he's playing for a a franchise in Port Elizabeth called the Southern Kings. What? He's currently, I think, is either in Italy, Wales, or Ireland right now. Um, I'm not, I know they played in Italy in Treviso last week, but anyway, he lives in Port Elizabeth. So yeah. Wow. Um, I want a shirt. <clears throat> I'm going to order a I'm shirt. Like, what's that? There's got to be like a t-shirt. I want a Port Elizabeth uh, Southern Kings shirt, you know? Yeah. You should, you could buy it online. Yeah. No, that's, it's a great rugby franchise. It's kind of a newer franchise they're um, building and. Um, so yeah, but anyway, it's a beautiful city. Gosh, okay, it's, uh, Port Elizabeth is beautiful. How big? Um, yeah, so Steve, go ahead. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, and we'll get back to meeting stuff. How big is rugby in South Africa? What is? I mean, please give us some context for us Americans who are you know relatively yeah. clueless here. <laughs> I, I would say I would say that just to kind of put it in a in a very palatable, easy way um, to understand the concept yeah. of rugby is most five year old boys in South Africa wants to be a professional rugby player. Wow. In other words, like, you know, in, in America, you want to be either an NBA star or an MLB star or an NFL star or an NHL. Yeah. Um, and now now MLS, you know, soccer is obviously growing, a growing sport. Right. In South Africa, we have cricket or rugby and then soccer. Um, I would say rugby is definitely the biggest sport in South Africa. Wow. Um, and then cricket's behind it and then soccer. Um, soccer is played by more South Africans than rugby and cricket, but I think most of the country loves um rugby so yeah it's a big deal man we i mean it's it's um, it's something that our country loves and in fact south africa will be playing in the rugby world cup final against england what here in a few days you're kidding Japan. yeah this yeah. is stuff so, i do not know and i want to know so it's the yeah. world cup for rugby yeah it's, i mean it's, it's so yeah it's the world cup's happening and um it's been going on in japan and um, oh. south africa's made it through to the final and so they'll be playing um, against England in the final, I think it's either Friday or Saturday. So, uh, yeah, man, it's a big deal. It's like, you know, rugby is outside of a North American context. Most people in America don't quite know what it is. It's a fa- it's growing pretty fast, in, yeah. you know, in, um, in colleges and in high schools and in, 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 in club level at a younger age. 
But um, yeah, rugby is a big sport um, outside of the U.S. I mean, the world plays rugby, you know. And the world big, plays rugby. Deal, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. So uh, where am I going to watch this game? I know this doesn't have anything to do with your ministry. Well, it has a little yeah. bit to do with your ministry. but <laughs> I think I, I'm pretty sure it will be available on, um, on, 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 on most of the, the, the channels you can get through cable here. Okay. Um, I, I watched it on, you know, on your regular sports channels, and they, they broadcast the Rugby World Cup. You can find it. Okay. All right. Are you going to be yeah. watching? You'll be watching. I mean, this is the World oh, Cup. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. No, okay. absolutely. I will definitely be watching. Yeah. Does, does South Africa, so, and I'm sorry to turn this into sports show real quick, but um, does South Africa usually have like a top, I mean, do they win the World Cup for rugby, or is this a new thing? We've, we've, we've won, no, the World Cup's been going on for a long time. We've won several. We've won, I think, two or three. If we win this one, this will be our third or our fourth. I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Um, so, but South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, England, um, Wales, those are kind of your top-tier rugby nations in the world. Okay. Um, so, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm keeping it sports for a minute. When you watch football, are you like, man, I can't believe those guys are wearing pads. Come on, guys. I mean, tell <laughs> well, us the truth. I mean, you can confess. And then I started actually working with some, uh, you know, in ministry, starting doing evangelism and working with sports teams. And um, so, so initially, but then when I stood on the side of the sidelines, I realized there's some serious impact in their, in their heads. Mm. And, Mm. So, um, so yeah, I know it's. I do. I respect the NFL quite a bit. It's a great sport. It's very. It's a real match sport. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got you. Now we will get ahead to again. This is Pastor Evangelist Ernie Kruger, and uh, but I would like to. I mean, tell us about you growing up in South Africa and dreaming of being a rugby star. And actually, I mean, you made it professionally, correct? Or am I am I yeah, way off? Yeah. 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 I played professional for six years. Yeah. That's a big deal. Well, yeah, they, I suppose so. <laughs> you know, every I, I've retired. I retired in 2010. You know, so nine years later, I've got to be reminded that I once was. My <laughs> wife reminds me. She's like, "Honey, you were. You're not anymore." You know? so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I, I grew up, Steve, as a young kid, having the same dream to play professional rugby. And by the time I was about 13, 14, um, you know, I started standing out among you know my my peers in rugby in a rugby context, and you know. My talent started really kind of taking off, and um, I was 18 wow. when I was, um, you know, recruited to be a professional rugby player. And, wow. um, so basically, left high school and went straight into the professional sports world, um, you know, and was very quickly and, and, and as, as awesome as that was, it was deadly, you know. And yeah. so that kind of that led to my salvation. That led to me realizing my need for Christ because the pressure of that world just crushed me. So, um, yeah, man, I, I grew up. Uh, wanting to be it and became it. And then, and, and you know, the saddest day of my wow. life, Steve, yeah. was actually when my dream became a reality. I was 19. And you know, most people will get a midlife crisis. Right. Um, I had a midlife crisis and felt real existential despair at 19 when I got this call to be in the Springbok 7 squad um, to go travel with them and play all over the world, which I always wanted to do. Um, and, uh, and, 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 I hung up after the coach called me, and I was at the, I was at the beach in Cape Town, you know, on the beach, literally on the beach. Yeah. We're talking to this coach, and I hung up, and I I was waiting for this overjoyous sense of euphoria to hit me, and my gosh, this is this is what I've been dreaming about, and I was met with incredible existential despair, and that that was an epiphany for me. That's when I realized, wow. you know, nothing in this world can truly satisfy the soul of a man or a woman. Um, something else must must mm. be must be it, and so that that kind of started off my desire to get to know God. 
And how, I mean, so how did it go from there? How did you know to even turn to God at that, at that point in your yeah, life? Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, I love your, your scripture. Therefore, we have such a hope. We are very bold, equip, encourage, evangelize. I, there was a guy that was just very bold about his faith, you know, yeah. and he would, Steve, he would pick me up in the mornings. He played for me. He was a superstar. I was a rookie. This guy was a superstar, you know. Wow. Um, and so he had no real reason to actually hang out with me. He lives <laughs> in Toronto, Canada right now with his wife and, great guy but anyway he would pick me up for breakfast pick me up for lunch every so often and just say hey man i just want to go hang out with you and steve i kid you not every time i'm with this guy i could tell there was something about him that was different he had something that i didn't have and it bugged me (laughs) i couldn't figure it out i was like this guy he plays rugby i play rugby he at at the time he's betting a hot goal i'm betting a hot goal you know (laughs) he drives this car i drive this car you know right and so i'm like what what is it about him he just had something that i didn't have and um, at some point, and every time I felt quite a bit of depression and just mm. the weight of my sin, uh, at that time I didn't understand, you know, that sin actually killed you and then hurt you. Uh, I was mm. loving it, you know. And so, but every time I was with him, I would feel this weight of my depression and my sin just kind of would lift. Yeah. And then when we would be wow. done, I would feel it back on me again. So I felt this sense of joy and tranquility around this guy that I had never felt before. Yeah. And so, and anyway, some one one morning, Steve, I just I was so depressed. I Mm. Um, I was just in a really bad space. My girlfriend I was dating at the time, she was addicted to cocaine. She was an international model. Wow. So I had everything I thought I needed in life, but I was so deeply unhappy. It was just unbelievable. Wow. And, you know, as a 19-year-old, you think to yourself, what more is there to live for, right? So I'm thinking of suicide almost every day. Um, you know, mm. I, I never would have probably done it, but I just, it just it's the only way I could think to relieve this pain and pressure, emotional pressure I felt. And, I, I just walked in my apartment one morning and I said, God, if you still see me, just let me know because I'm a liar, I'm a sycophant, I'm a hypocrite. Mm. And it's almost, I had this moment when I realized that I'm, even though I'm celebrated and at that point, you know, at fans and whatever, right. I was really, I, I was hiding a lot. There was a lot in my life that was not good. And what the public saw and what was really going on in my life was two very different things, you yeah. know? And right after I said this, I didn't even pray. I just said it. I said, God, if you still see me, let me know. Wow. Um, this friend that kept taking me for breakfast and lunch um, texted me. He said, hey, man, come to a campus night with us. There's a campus meeting going on. And there was a, an Every Nation campus meeting, the ministry I, I work mm, with today. Right. Um, walked in, Steve, and I felt this un I mean, I, I, unusual desire to get right with God. Like, I'd never felt this desire before. And I just that night thought, I don't know what it looks like, but I want to get right with God. I don't know what it means, but I want to get right. And I felt the loving kindness of God lead me to repentance. And then later that night, the guy that was preaching, can't remember yeah. what he spoke on, have no idea. There's 500-plus students in this room at a campus um, 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 outreach night. And he just said, if you want to be a leader for Jesus, come forward. And, I mean, I have no clue what it means to be a leader for Jesus. But I started walking forward. And as I walk forward, Steve, this guy points to me in the crowd. Yeah. Dozens of students are coming forward, and he says, you are going to work for God one day. I've never met this guy before. And the moment he said it, I was hit by this overwhelming sense, like something supernatural happened. I started bawling, and I couldn't stop. And it's not fun when a, when a rugby player cries in public. It's kind of embarrassing, and I'm thinking, why am I crying? <laughs> right. I can't stop, but I'm just overwhelmed. Um, and, and that night, I felt the love of God, and my heart changed. You know, I tried yeah. to go back to my old life, Steve. 
Um, I try to go back and, 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 and keep keep dating this girl that I was dating at the time and doing what we've done. I try to go back to parties, but man, something inside of me changed that night. And the things I used to do, like the sin, the sin I lived in, basically, the things I used to love, I just didn't love anymore. You know, my yeah. friends was a little freaked out. I was freaked out. Yeah, they were, they were saying, "What's wrong with you?" I said, "I don't know, man. I just Jesus, I don't know." And wow. I, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And so that's how my journey started, man. This this happened in 2005. 2005, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, man, that's that's an incredible, incredible story. Can you go ahead and tell us kind of what happened next? Yeah. So so the guy that night that pointed at me and said, you're going to work for God one day. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of that whole thing, I had no idea who he was. So a couple, a couple weeks later, I'm at this point, I'm a, I have a severe back injury. I've got to get a fusion in my back. Oh, okay. um, and so rugby is about to end, actually. Yeah. So I'm obviously condensing a long story. Um, I have right, right. multiple stress fractures in my L5 vertebrae. Wow. Um, but I had this newfound joy in my soul. Yeah. You know, I had, um, I, I, you know, I was just, I just, I, I, I tasted the Lord and I've seen that he's good. Right. And right. so, um, I saw him in the crowd at one of my team's games and I climbed over people literally with a hurting back. What? I, said, Dude, I don't know if you know this, but that night you pointed to me and said, I'm going to work for God one day. And something happened. I, I, I love God. I just don't know who he is. Can you help me understand who he is? Would you disciple me? I just I asked him if he would help me. Wow. And he started discipling me. He would, you know, sit me down and teach me the Bible and tell me what it means to be a Christian, you know, and tell me what it, what it means to be saved and tell me what it means that I need to be baptized, and, you know, and, and everything that happens in, in a New Testament believer. Um, he prayed for me, laid hands on me. I received some gifts from the Holy Spirit, different things like that. And What sort of, gi- what sort of gifts did you receive? And... <laughs> Everything changed. I mean, just my. I mean, I'm talking about my friends couldn't recognize me. Changed. Yeah. Um, my passion shifted from rugby to people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I love playing rugby. Steve, right. But man, I I just love people. And then he prayed for my back, and my back got miraculously healed. My the what? physicians that worked with me couldn't believe it. I mean, it was a miracle. You know, the, that is a miracle. Christians, and, yeah. You know, wow. they said this is a miracle. Like this, what what's happened here is a miracle. I I haven't had back pain since that day. What? Oh my yeah. gosh, that's incredible! That is yeah. awesome, so, man. I've been so, praying so for a buddy of mine. I, I want that to happen. Go ahead. Sorry, Ernie. No, no, no. So when you can imagine, so one, I, I feel this depression lift the moment I give my life to Jesus. Yeah. Um, he prays for my back. My back is miraculously healed. So you can imagine, bro. Talk about being very bold. Yeah. I just wanted the world to know who Jesus was. From that point onwards, I I said, man, if Jesus can change my life and mm. do for me what He's done. Heal me emotionally, my depression. I, I mean, Steve, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. That day when I got when I gave my life to the Lord and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yeah. I depression. I heard chains fall off of me, Whoa. and physically, I looked behind me. It was so loud, and I felt this joy that I never knew existed well up inside of me. And I looked at my mom was with me when this happened. Yeah. She was shocked, and she, and I said, Mom, I don't know what this is, and I don't really know what's going on, but I want the world to know about Jesus. That was literally my word yeah. to my mom. Wow. That day. And here I am. I'm in West Texas preaching the gospel, traveling all over, telling people about Jesus, you know. And so um, from that moment when that all happened, Steve, I found myself just talking about Jesus and yeah. letting people know. And one by one, friends would get saved and then coaches would get saved. And, you know, um, sometimes we'll have half of my team would get would get saved. And what? we just started seeing God move <laughs> in unusual ways. And one day, one of my friends, my pastors came to me and he said, Ernie, Everywhere I go, I hear that you've led people to the Lord. And I, 
I yeah. honestly, I would never talk about it. You know, I just thought that's normal. You know, that's what Christians <laughs> that's, do, right? <laughs> right, um, right. And so, and he would say, Ernie, no, that's not normal. You know, that's, you need to consider being in ministry. And I said, no, are you crazy? I'm, I love what I do. And, of course, God healed my back, so I'm playing again. And then <laughs> so I've got this powerful testimony. And we pray for people. They get healed, and miracles happen in their wow. bodies. And, um, you know, we see guys that's living really promiscuous lives be transformed. God's restoring marriages. And when you can imagine in the rugby world, there's such a big need for that. And so we, yeah. just see, we are seeing God doing so many great things. And I'm like, I don't want to quit this. I, I, and, you know, and, and my wife and I, who is, my wife's American, so I'm the only white African-American you actually know. Um, <laughs> um, so so uh, my wife, um, when I started an orphanage in 2010 yeah. in South Africa, and we adopted, that's when we adopted all the son, and we had six um, babies live with us. We would take babies that was abandoned from birth, bring them in. And, um, and so in that time, God told me to quit rugby. Um, through a, a doctor uh, saying, Ernie, if you don't quit rugby, you won't be able to hold your kids. So I was basically medically retired. Wow. And God kind of spoke through doctors to me. And I'd seen God do miracles before, belief for miracle, miracle didn't happen. Yeah. So I realized, okay, my, my time as a rugby player has come to an end. And yeah. transitioned from playing rugby into being a missionary, working with primarily with professional athletes. And my wife and I were orphans. Um, yes, and yeah. So, I, um, I love, we, Ernie, how, we, I mean, this is like, uh, you just like, you started an orphanage and, you know, then yeah. you're on to the, I mean, with us, you know, as you're telling, I know you're condensing everything. You and your wife started an orphanage. I mean, that yes. is a big deal. Like that's not something we just think, oh, I think I'll start an orphanage, but I think that's exactly what God had you guys do. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, we were, you know, what's crazy, Steve, is we were 23 years old when we did it. We wow. were married one year. So here you've got an Afrikaans. Uh, I'm still learning how to speak English fluently at this time. Yeah. Um, you know, because my wife's American, you know, right. and so I've got to communicate with her. It's pretty important, right? Um, and <laughs> That's so, what they say, so yeah. We are married one year, and I'm still playing rugby. I'm still traveling every weekend, you know, playing rugby and practicing all day. So we start this orphanage and adopt wow. the oldest son, Amalimo. He was 15 months old at the time. Right. And like two or three months later, we, we, we take in um, up to six babies. I'm talking like under three months old. So my, my wow. son, Amalimo, and one of our foster sons um, that was with us were 15 months old or just over 15 months old. And then the rest were babies under three months old. So I would be practicing all day, come home, and my wife's like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. You're, you're in charge. And so I would have to help watch the babies put into bed, change diapers <laughs> in the middle of the night. And so it was quite a... Uh, challenging and enriching at the same time yeah. experience for us. And we would find these babies' families. So we would actually get them adopted families. And almost every baby that we've had in our season, they got adopted by wow. an American family or a South African family, and it's, it's flourishing right now. So praise God for that. Man, that's but incredible. But, y'all, we did that, and we had no clue how to be parents. We had no. We just we just knew that God's amazing, and right. he loves kids. And, and so, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. All right. Now, I know. I, I mean, you're probably like, OK, let's get to the part where this is what I'm doing now. But just a little bit more. I'm thinking about, yeah. you know, the kids that I work with, the people that I work with. A lot of them are on sports teams. And I'm thinking, um, I mean, how like how does half the team or some of the team become Christians? I mean, I know you have a gift of evangelism. I understand that. But can you give us something practical for you know, that, that those few students that are thinking like, man, I want to impact my team. How can I do that? Yeah. If, if this was happening through Ernie, I mean, how can God use me yeah. in that way? What, what sort of practical or anything? What, what do you yeah. have for us, yeah. man? Help us out. Steve, yeah, Steve, no, that's, that's a great question. You know, 
Steve, at the time, if I look back in my in my life as a believer, right, I yeah. I had very very little biblical knowledge. So one to just empower anyone listening to this, yeah. my my knowledge of the Bible at the time was just enough to stay alive. I mean, if I am <laughs> saying I probably memorized at that time like five verses, yeah, that was a lot. You know, I just but here's what happened in, in Acts four, and this is just to encourage any believer. Yeah, in Acts four, Peter and John is being, uh, they are on trial and, and being put on trial by the same men that killed Jesus. So this is the fourth chapter. This is, a mm-hmm. you know, Luke giving us the narrative of the church being birthed, right? And so, right. and this is, this is why I, this really powerful concept that I've been, that I really help to encourage young believers with. Um, Peter, the same Peter that denied Jesus, now that it says that he is full of the Holy Spirit, um, is now going, and they just saw a man that was lame for 40 years get healed in Acts chapter 3, right. and is being put on trial because that led to the salvation of many other Jews, and the Jewish leaders are enraged. They're annoyed. The Bible says greatly annoyed, in fact. Yeah. And Peter and John stands in front of them, and these guys are saying, listen, by what name are you doing these things? And Peter and John, still very young believers, I mean, they were only at this point just over three years believers, right? Right, and, right. Um, very immature still, you know, in their faith, actually. Um, not super mature at this point, you know, but they were full of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, which is the promise that Jesus talks about, right? When he said that I'm going, and it's better that I go because I'm giving you the comforter, the helper, the teacher, the power of, the, of God's going to rest in you and live in you through the Holy Spirit. Right. And they start proclaiming the gospel to these very powerful, educated, smart, influential leaders that got an innocent Messiah, Jesus Christ, crucified, yet he was not guilty. I mean, right. you talk about influence and power. And these uneducated, common men, ordinary guys, young right. guys, yeah. are just full of God's Spirit. And you know what it says? It says that these leaders looked at Peter and John, and they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. And what that means, Steve, yeah. is that these men saw the same authority that Jesus, God in the flesh, spoke with in Peter and John. Yeah. They looked in Jesus' eyes and heard Jesus speak, and all of a sudden, they were astonished and amazed because they saw these same people speak with authority. And I think for me, what I learned, if I look back in my life, Steve, yeah, yeah. it wasn't as much as my message or what I knew, mm. but it was really who was living inside of me. Yeah. Like God was living in me. I was a child of God. I had a new spirit, and people were drawn to the light. The Bible says God makes us a city on a hill. And I think I just started talking about it. I started praying for my friends. I started asking questions and I've got some crazy stories. I mean, I've gotten almost gotten in fights because I would preach the gospel, and a guy's about to beat me up, and God would say, save this, and I would say it, and then, like, four guys would get saved, you know? Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. Know? Come on. Sorry. you you got to—I got to have more of that. I mean, give me an example of that, and hold on real quick. <laughs> okay. I mean, I want to hear about you almost getting beat up, and then God gives you a word, the right word to stop that from happening. I want okay. to also—hold so, 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 so on hold on one second. I, one I'm second, just, Ernie. Ernie, hold on one second. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to continue, but we're also recording for KSLR. Uh, this airs Saturday, of course. Our listeners that are listening to the show right now, I got to warn you, uh, you're loving Ernie Kruger, right? Well, you're going to need to listen to the rest of the interview. You're going to need to go to Facebook and find Very Bold or find the podcast Very Bold Radio and Podcast Show. 
you're going to want to hear all of this. we got a lot more to talk about. So uh, if you're listening on KSLR, thank you for tuning in to Very Bold. And be sure to catch the rest of this. And, of course, next week we'll have another great uh, Difference Maker as well. All right. God bless you all and uh, be very bold. Don't go away. We're, we're still here in the podcast, of course. All right, Ernie. Man, let give it to us. I mean, you're about to get okay. beat up. I want to hear about it. <laughs> Yeah, so, so so I just signed with this new team. This is in 2010, wow. um, a new franchise in South Africa. My wife and I just started this orphanage. My career was kind of coming to an end. I, I had I had broken my shoulder several times. Wow! And one of my one of my surgeries was did not really work. It was a French surgery that's supposed to help rugby players, and it didn't work. It was kind of failing. My body okay. rejected the the bone that they put in. Wow. So I'm new in this team. I'm not playing very well, which is good to know. As an athlete, sometimes we feel like we can only talk about Jesus um, when we are performing good, right? So at yeah. this point, um, I'm not performing the greatest. You know, it's, yeah. it's, the franchise is going through a lot. Um, and one day we have a practice. And it, in this practice, they are just, I mean, it's a preseason practice, so they're killing us. I mean, we are being absolutely brutally ran into the ground, and we're doing a lot of cardio and you know, at the end of the set, the training session, the fitness team is there, the coaching staff is there, the medical staff, yeah. um, you know, the franchise owners. I mean, it's kind of a everyone's there. It's, it's a, a new team coming together. Um, and the guy starts joking about women in a very inappropriate yeah. way. Starting talk, started talking about prostitutes. And so marriage guys, married guys starts chiming in, and everybody is, and you've got all these young, new guys coming into this world. And it was just... It became so vulgar, and it escalated so fast. And I just heard the Lord say, Ernie, stand up and say something. Wow. And so, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so I stand up, and I say, hey, some of you guys that don't know me, I'm Ernie. I've been here like seven days at this point. You know, so I'm yeah. like fresh there, right? Right. Um, like just got to this team. <laughs> wow. I'm not doing the best. Right. It's not like I can walk in as if I'm <laughs> right. like the, you know, the guy that knows it all, you know. Right, the sports world. Your performance means a lot. Right, um, and so uh, so I just get up. Say, my name is Ernie, and I just wonder if you know that these women that you guys are joking about actually are daughters of God, and you wow. will be accountable for everything you say about <laughs> them and do to them. And if you do not give your life to Jesus and allow Him to take away your sins that you are guilty of and everything you've done before and that you're talking about doing then you will be liable and guilty, and you will not inherit eternal life. You know, and I'm just preaching the gospel. And as this is happening, I mean, Steve, it gets so quiet and uncomfortable. You can hear a penny drop on grass. And this one guy, so in rugby, we've got some mean guys that we pay to hurt people, right? Yeah, right. That's their job in the team. This guy gets up, and he's like cursing at me and walking from the other side of the practice saying, who do you think you are? And he's using really oh, yeah. strong language, right. you know, and who do you think you are to tell me I can't say stuff, you know, and he's on his way to come and just whoop yeah. me, basically. Wow. So I'm standing there and I'm thinking, God, oh I, I mean, I don't mind being beat up by this dude, but that would be a little embarrassing, you know, <laughs> and, uh, um, and before I gave my life to Jesus, I, I, I had some street fights and, you know, grew up fighting and whatever, so. I'm thinking, I don't want to really punch this guy either. I don't want, I'm not here to punch people. I'm here to win souls, right? Right. Be a witness. And as he's walking to me, <laughs> I just hear the, yeah. the Holy Spirit say, tell him that you love him, and that's why you say these things. Oh, and I'm my thinking, gosh. No, no. no way. 
That's like the worst thing to say in front of all these athletes. That's you know, great. We talk about just some of the meanest, toughest, hardest men in South Africa. Yeah. And I'm about to tell this guy I just met seven days ago that I say this thing because I love him. Oh, my god. And gosh. I just said it. I said, I said his name was Jacques. I said, Jacques, the reason I say this is because I actually love you. Oh, my god. And then all of a sudden, I just started, you know, just feeling led to say, and I said, and if I didn't love you, I would just keep to myself and keep quiet. But because I know God and I know the truth and I know that if Jesus doesn't take away your sins, you'll be liable and guilty for it. The most loving thing I can do is to tell you that you need to change. You need to allow Jesus to do, wash your sins away and clean your heart. And, and, and the moment I said it, everything shifted. Wow. Everything changed. He just stopped in his tracks and he said, okay, that makes sense. And the moment wow. when the coach then said, listen, guys, Ernie is right. We shouldn't speak like this. Um, you know, and I mean, bro, I'm telling you, God Whoa, set Ernie. me up for like a revival. And we Whoa. got up and all the young guys in the team, I mean, came to me literally between getting up from there and being dismissed and walking to my car. Several guys came and said, Ernie, I have never seen that. I want to be a believer too, or I am a Christian and I want to be bold too. Dang. And we started a Bible study that next week. Wow. And then the second week, the coach walks in one of the assistant coaches, and he yeah. says, Ernie, I want what you have. How do I get it? Wow. <laughs> and, and I just, I mean, what do you do? I mean, all the players are there, the coach is now here, and he used to coach me years ago when I was still a junior, you know, yeah. like a rookie back in the day. So, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh. And the coach literally just walks into this Bible study and says, I want what you have. Come on. How do I get it? And so I said, Coach, do you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God? He says, yes. I said, have you surrendered your life to him? He says, yes. I said, have you been baptized with water and the Holy Spirit? He said, no. I said, is someone helping you and mentoring you and teaching you how to follow Jesus? He said, no. I said, do you go to a church? He said, no. I said, now, if you do all those things, you'll have exactly what I have. Wow. And he ended up going, giving his life to the Lord. When I left that franchise, um, Steve, I didn't play very well, as I said. It right. wasn't my best season on the field, but off the field, yeah. God did more than he's done in any other team. Yeah. Revival happened. Many guys that got saved in that team today lead their own ministries all over the world. Um, I mean, just God birthed a revival. The coach called me said, Ernie, I just want to let you know I'm so glad. I was on that team only for five months, and I quit yeah. rugby. I retired medically. Um, I, I, he said, I'm back with my wife that, that he was um, divorced mm. um, with at that point. He, was, he couldn't see his kids. God restored their marriage. He's now actually changing lives currently. I mean, this guy loves God. God changed this coach's life completely. He said, man, I got baptized. I received the Holy Spirit. I'm in a church. God's changing my life. God's brought me back with my wife. Um, you know, and wow. the players would tell me that I was still there after I left. So, Ernie, the team changed. I mean, the franchise actually did better. They were at the bottom of the lock that year. Yeah. The next season, they played in the semifinals. And, you know, their rankings ran up financially, did better. Yeah. So the, the franchise literally changed because Jesus came into the team. Just through someone like me being willing to say, okay, um, let's bring Jesus back in. Oh, my gosh. That is incredible. See, this is the kind of thing that, like, if you watch a Christian movie or you see on Netflix and and you watch that scene, you're like, oh, that would never happen. I mean, that's just made up for the movies. And that's what you are living. I mean, that's incredible. That is a great, yeah. great story. And you yeah. had to be you had to be bold enough to to obey and to know and to be at risk of not knowing what was going to happen to stand up. And it, that's crazy that out of something bad, out of like a culture that, you know, we all know about the locker room culture and we all know about that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
um, and it's going on and 99.9% of the time we just, you know, well, that's the culture and there we go. But there was something the Holy Spirit was speaking to you. And I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and we just like we kept quiet, but you did not do that. And then God, I love how God didn't tell you like ahead of time. Oh, and Hey, by the way, Ernie, when this guy's about to pummel you, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to need to tell him that you love him. I mean, it's like step by step, just a step of obedience to step out on that water and to keep your eyes focused on Christ. Dude, that is incredible. All right. I I want more, man. That's not really fair. Is there? (laughs) I mean, I want more. I want more. Are there any other, uh, I feel like your, your life. I mean, there's, there's fun stories. I remember one time I took a guy. This is in Nashville. This is in America for anyone living in America. Yeah. I um I just had my first job. I was working for a guy, Dr. Rice Brooks, that, that wrote the book, God's Not Dead, which inspired the movies. And I was working for him as an evangelist yeah. in Nashville. And um and so this one young guy from California said, Ernie, I want to learn how to do evangelism. So I said, well, meet me you know, at my office. And he got in my truck. We went to a, uh, a coffee shop, and we were just respectfully and tactfully yeah. um, engage people that was open to talking about Jesus. And, sh- and and I would have this young guy share the gospel with him. And nothing extravagant happened. If anything, he just grew in boldness and learning sure. how to overcome the fear of man and, you know, the fear of rejection. And, yeah. you know, and of course, we were very respectful and tactful. And, uh, you know, we didn't yell at people and minimize, you know, right. um, it break people down for not wanting to believe in Jesus. You know, we right. just... We just Obviously, yeah, there's a way to evangelize and the demeanor in which you come that's more effective. But um, this guy, we get back to my office, and I get out of my truck, Steve. Yeah. And this one guy's waving at me. So we had a big church, and, you know, he's coming from the bottom of the parking lot. And, and as he's walking to me, you can tell he's just feeling really ashamed. And I feel mm. like the Lord showed me that he's just carrying so much shame and, and just feeling terrible. He's an African-American dude. Mm. Coming to a white guy, probably needing some money, right? Yeah. And um, and I heard God say to me, Ernie, tell him this is not a day of shame, but mm. a day of destiny. Ooh. Something, okay? So as he That's walks, a good one, he, Lord. he's just apologizing, and and it's a big dude. He's a he's a construction guy, you know. Yeah. He's got paint on his shirt and um, stuff like that. And and as he walks to me, he's, he's just man, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm, I said, listen, my friend, just firstly, don't don't apologize. I just heard God say to me. This is not a day mm. of shame for you, but this is a day of destiny. Mm. And I grabbed his hand just to greet him like you would greet someone. And I said, you can ask us anything you want to ask us, but is it okay if I just pray for you real quick? Yeah. So the moment uh, I, I put my hand on him, I started praying for this guy. The Lord says to me, Ernie, tell him that he's going to be a prophet to the nations. Uh, Steve, I've never Whoa. met this guy before. Whoa. So I, I, I look at him. I say, man, I just hear God saying, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. The moment I said it, something happened. This this big, probably wow. weighs 250 pounds, muscular guy, yeah. falls to his knees. I'm talking, this is a, you got an impressive, the yeah. this is a big dude. He's an athlete. You can tell he's used to play sports. He falls to his knees, starts weeping like a baby. Wow. And then all of a sudden, the Lord makes, I, I just pray, Lord, would you just free him from shame? He starts vomiting in my parking lot. The young guy that's with me, he runs away. He's like, gone. I'm, I'm gone. I don't know what's happening. I mean, I didn't premeditate this or plan this. Right, right. This guy starts throwing up right here in tears, then raises his hands and starts praying to God, worshiping God, speaking in different, you know, syllables, languages, whatever. It's speaking crazy. in tongues. Wow. And then gets up and is like completely a new man. Like, and, and, and so wow. he, he, he ran out of gas in front of our church, Steve, wow. and he heard a voice say, walk that way, and walked right into us. 
And so, and he was actually going to take his own life because his wife was leaving him and he couldn't see his children and he was battling a lot of addiction. Yeah. And so it was, he was, he ran out of gas in front of our church and and was driving (laughs) somewhere to go take his life that day. Wow. And so he told us, he said, man, and he just, I mean, he's overcome with emotions. He said, Ernie, you you don't understand. I was, I was going to shoot myself that day. And I just ran out of gas, and I heard a voice say, walk this way. Mm. And so, man, he gave his life to the Lord. God restored his marriage. Steve, we started discipling this guy. Today, wow. he literally prophesies like, to people in every part of the world almost. Whoa. I mean, he will have like online prophetic moments and stuff. Yeah. There will be five, 6,000 people listening at the same time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he, he, he's, from this, he's from Southside Chicago. His mother was a uh, prostitute. His father was a pimp. He was a drug dealer, was shot seven times, this guy, and then like almost died and then came back to life, this guy. I mean, this guy that I'm talking about. Right. Um, incredible. And, and, and when he was five years old, God, a guy came through Chicago and, and looked at him and said, you're going to be a prophet to the nation. Wow. So when I said that to him oh, years gosh. later as an adult, yeah. never meeting this guy, he just broke. And, and the Lord reminded him what was said to him when he was five years old as a little boy in foster care being abused by people. And this dude has got an unbelievable ministry. I mean, it's unreal, man. He's changing lives, seeing revival all over. Um, I mean, it's unbelievable. So that's just another little story of, you know, the power of God working, you know, and, and when we are allowing God to just be bold through us, you know? Right. That's incredible. And I just love, again, your obedience. Hey, somebody who's listening today, because, you know, what you're talking about is is right out of Acts, you know, just just what you said. Uh, somebody who might be listening today is like a lot of people are not experiencing they're experiencing more of a powerless um, Christianity. And, uh, you know, what what might be something you would say to them today or like, man, I mean, it's a little scary that I'd be talking to people that might throw up as I I give them a word from God. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it's scary. it's a little scary. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'm, I want that instead of just this kind of uh, generic, boring, bland uh you know, brand of Christianity that I'm I'm repping right now. What what might you say to them today, Ernie? You know, Steve, that's a great question. You know, and of course, I in my in my lot of work, I work with a lot of people with different backgrounds and personalities. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm a little bit more charismatic by nature. You know, that's mm-hmm. just my personality. Right. Um. Some people are my wife. She's the exact opposite. She's You're an kidding. introvert. She's very. You know. Um, I freak her out. I've, we've got a date uh, rule. A uh, rule when we go on dates. I'm not allowed to talk to people about Jesus. I'm only allowed to talk to her. That's hilarious. Um, you know, yeah. Like there's like a date night rule. You yeah. Know, that we have to establish. Uh, it just she just gets uncomfortable. She's not like me in any ways, but God uses her in the way she is wired. You know, and right. she's a great teacher and disciples a lot of people. And the way she does ministry looks a little different than mine, but it's got the same impact and power. It just uh, looks different, you okay. know. Um, and I don't think I think sometimes it's people can feel condemned for not seeing stuff mm, like that happen. And then okay. you get people that that's what they chase. They leave home wanting True. to see people throw up or wanting to see people get healed. So for me, Steve, I believe that the biblical mandate is to go preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And God said that these signs and wonders will follow those who believe, you know. Mm. And so I don't think as believers we should follow signs and wonders. Yeah. But I do believe that as, as believers, empowered by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God, He's the miracle worker. Right. Miracles can happen and they will happen. So for most of the things I see that's really miraculous, I never anticipated when I left my house that morning. You know, it's, yeah. it's just 
that's God near, you know, and I'm sometimes as surprised as the people. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? You know, I mean, I've literally uh, had uh, someone would walk past me and, and I'd never met them before and God would give me a word for their life and we would pray for them and they would get miraculously healed and then get saved through that. And and, and I would be like, I would be astonished. I, I think, yeah. gosh, wow, God. And, you know, so I think the big thing is not to limit God. It's right. not to box God into how we think he's going to move, you know, and just to be mm-hmm. open if God says to do something that even might feel silly or crazy, right. you know, to sometimes just obey him. You know, I'm sure Peter felt pretty awkward when he had to get out of the boat and walk on water, you know. I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, that doesn't logically make any sense. Like, why would I want right. to get in a stormy ocean? Right. You know, but Peter would have never seen God's miraculous power if he wasn't willing to put himself in that position, you know. And right. many times God's not healed people. Miracles have not happened in my life. And, yeah. and again, I don't chase that. I'm not right. ready for miracles. I love but that. I just, you know, I allow God to do miracles when yeah. He wants to do them, you know. Yeah. And so um, we, I've seen so many miracles. And then there's been many moments where I've not seen anything happen, but God did something that was not visible or that was not seen. Right. And so here's the one key. I think as, a, as, a, as a, a believer, one thing that's often missed in a believer's life is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. I think that's the promise Jesus gave the disciples in Acts chapter 1. He said, I'm going, and the disciples were troubled. They said, why? Why would you leave us? Um, and, and then he said, it's better for me to go because I'm sending you God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Because, mm-hmm. of course, as Christians, we believe in a triune God. Right. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus was God, and as the Father is God, right? And right. and His presence in our lives is what changes things. And I alluded to this earlier in, in Acts chapter 4 with Peter and John. When these leaders looked at them, um, Steve, that it says that they saw their boldness. And the Greek root word for the word, word boldness, and I'm paraphrasing in, 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 in an American you know, vernacular <laughs> of English, right. was parousia. And parousia mm. literally means to speak freely without restraint. And that's really what I believe the Holy Spirit gives us as believers. It's the ability amidst oppression or in uncomfortable, uninviting scenarios to speak freely and make known who Jesus is. And through that and the Holy Spirit's presence in our words and Him using our ordinary words as ordinary people, um, accomplishing extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always amazed at how God takes ordinary people. You know, even though I was a professional athlete, I was a really ordinary guy. I wasn't a public speaker. I mean, nothing that I do now I would have ever done <laughs> yeah. had it not been for the Holy Spirit working in my life. I, I'm naturally a little bit more skeptical and fearful, you know, <laughs> to be honest with you. But the, the whole, since I started walking with Jesus and I received the gift of the Holy Spirit as a believer, which is not for some, it's for all believers, right? That's right. the promise of God, the seal of the right. Holy Spirit, it's just changed my life. You yeah. know, I found myself preaching to politicians and, like, boldly proclaiming to powerful, wealthy, influential businessmen that do not agree with me. Yeah. Uh, and I would respectfully talk, and, you know, my words would hit them, and I would leave there thinking, I didn't even say anything so profound. You yeah. know, I mean, in fact, Steve, I had people call me that used to play with me or that used to know me and years later and say, Ernie, you, you don't know this, but I heard you speak one day at this place or wow. at that at that person's house at a barbecue. Yeah. And God changed my life through that. Like okay. they would just overhear a conversation. And so right. again, I think it comes back uh-huh. not to who we are as people, but to who lives in us yeah. as God's people, the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah. Um, and then allowing God to fill us with his Holy Spirit and staying full by reading the word and having a healthy right. prayer life and letting people pray for you. Say, God, Make us more full of your presence 
the Holy Spirit, you know, like right. help us fill us up, you know? Right, man, this is all so good. All right, so I'm going to, I love, I love how you talk about basically that signs and wonders are going to follow us so we don't have to chase after them because you definitely yes. are going to run into people that it's, it's like a high adrenaline spiritual high. And so they just want more and more, but I love that yeah. balance that you're talking about. And I, I love, it's just, so even just looking at different personalities and you could do the same, I mean, between you and your wife, but you could also do the same with Peter versus Andrew or, or whoever. But um, yeah, I love it all. Absolutely. And one of the things I love about your manner is there's something about it, even though you're very bold, but you also seem very aware that, OK, this is a little bit crazy or whatever. So let me ask you this. When you are, you know, you you talked about like walking down a sidewalk and God would give you a word for someone. I want an example of that because I know yeah. with, with your gifts and your personality, there's some way that you make it not as crazy as it sounds. So can you think of an yeah. example there? <laughs> <clears throat> Absolutely. So here's an example. I'm sitting in a coffee shop. This is something that happened. Um, I'm working some, you know, uh, coffee shops, typically, I love coffee shops, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Coffee is from God. It's the gift of God to, to His people. My, my daughter um, is rejoicing over here without a microphone. She's hollering yeah. and whooping it up like yeah. she always does. No, she's pretty quiet, so, but she loves it. <laughs> That's awesome. So so basically, I was sitting at uh, this one day, I was sitting at a window, um, like against the window, you know, there's little, you've got those bar stools and then, you know, you're, you've got a little desk, but you look at, through the window to the outside. And right. I literally saw a girl walk past me just to come to the coffee shop. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, this is, it's a popular coffee shop. And um, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I heard, God, and I've, you know, I've been walking with God for a while, so I've learned how to listen and discern when it's yeah. God speaking to me, when it is my own mind speaking to me, right? You right. really learn how to listen to God's voice. The Bible says, my sheep shall know my voice, right? So right. Um, I've, I've learned that and grown and, and gotten better at that. You know, sometimes I've thought I heard God, but I haven't, you know, okay. so I've been there, I've uh-huh. done that. Um, but anyway, so this one time I heard God just say something specific about this girl that she walked by me and, and it was, it was strong and I knew it was from God. So I said, okay, God, I'm a little nervous. Um, I'm a guy, I'm a married guy. Um, so how do I approach a young college age looking girl and not be flirty? Right. 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 And not look like I'm trying to hit on her. Right. You're going to have to help me out. You know, you're going to have to really help me out here. Yeah. And, um, I said, God, just like give me the right opportunity to speak to her so she can ask. So I started asking God to give me the right opportunity and the wisdom to approach her well. So she ended up coming and sitting right next to me in one of these you know, chairs up against his window. Yeah. Um, and so at some point I leaned over and I said, hey, this, is very, this might seem very <laughs> weird, and I'm sorry for that. So I stated the obvious. Right. This is unusual. Okay? Right. But when you walked past me, I heard God, and I was just bold and frank and very yeah. honest. And, yeah. and, you know, I wasn't trying to hide anything or make anything up. I wasn't right. trying to impress her. I just right. wanted to be faithful. And I said, but when you walked past me, I heard God say this and this and this and this. And Steve, she just looked at me and bursted into tears and wow. said, that's exactly what I'm going through. That's exactly where I'm at. I invited her to our church that Sunday. She gave her life to Jesus that Sunday. Wow. And it's still in our church. Um, wow. You know, and so so that's a, a practical example. Of so that was, getting- yeah, okay, I got to say that because obviously the, there were personal details or I think you would have shared that with us. And so I appreciate yeah. your sensitivity. But that's pretty yeah. wild to think of, uh, again, just assuming, okay, that, that's something personal. Obviously, we don't need to know, but it's interesting that God would choose uh, that would make it a little bit a weirder situation for whatever reason that she needed to hear it from you as the instrument or whatever. It's kind of wild that God chose that. And, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Man, that's just crazy. It's yeah. foolish sometimes. I mean, honestly, yeah. and, and that's what Paul said to the church in Corinth, right? He said, yeah. listen, it's through the foolishness of mm-hmm. preaching, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and that, that God would save the lost, you know? Right. And so sometimes, honestly, Steve, I, I'm like, God, isn't there a better way? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Isn't right. there a better vehicle? Isn't there a better yeah. spokesperson, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so obviously, I, I, I definitely feel that, you know, and it can sound like when we tell these stories, that somehow I wake up bold, you know, but yeah. no, I, I mean, sometimes I even ask people, hey, would you pray for me that I would be more bold, you know, and that <laughs> I would like actually, Paul did. Yeah. like this morning at seven o'clock, I was praying with some of my closest friends, praying for boldness, praying that yeah. we would be courageous and have courage, you know, to obey God, you know, yeah. so yeah, definitely, man, I, it, it is odd, um, yeah. but God uses odd things sometimes to right. do miraculous oh, for things. Sh- you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. Go, hey Peter, go, uh, go catch a fish and uh, open that fish's mouth. See what's in it. Right. What's drachma exactly. for the tax? Uh, all right, I've got one question, and then I want you to go ahead and update us on on what you're doing now, where you are, and all that. But I have a question about the date rule. Like when you've been out on a date with your wife, <laughs> has there been yeah. a time when you're like, honey? I know it's a rule, but I am so sorry. I feel like God is telling me to say something. Or has the Holy Spirit been like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to honor that too. Has there ever been a time like that? Uh, I mean, I, I Katie and I have been married for 10 years, you know, okay. we've got five kids. So whenever we go on dates, um, and we've got a pretty busy life. You yeah, know? you so, don't get um, many dates, do so you? <laughs> when we go on dates, sometimes we, we started strategically go to like Barnes and Nobles, and actually for the first like hour, we wouldn't talk, we'd just read together, and that would just do so mm. much for my wife. Oh. She would just feel like refuel, and you know, because she's she homeschools our kids as well, so she's very oh, busy yeah. and, and gives a lot, and so then we'll go and like eat somewhere or something. And so there's definitely been moments where the opportunity was really right, and she would recognize it, and I would look at it and be like, is it okay? And she was like, sure, you know. And we would have moments with people, and, you know, God would do something special and touch someone's life through that. And, um, you know, but as <laughs> as a rule, I try and avoid it, and I really have to really know that, it, you know, the Bible says God's gifts are irrevocable and without repentance, right? So right. They, they work, they're there, you know, so like the gift of prophecy, for instance, yeah. or the gift of healing. Or, and so if you walk in those gifts or know what they are, and you see God use those gifts to your life frequently, it doesn't like switch off when you're in public, right? Right. So it's, it's for me, it's a deliberate decision, and you know, I just had to learn, Steve, that God values my marriage. Yeah. And um, you know, and my wife is my first ministry, and I've got to mm. really um, honor and respect who God's created her to be, and not put her in situations where that makes her more tired after a date versus really rejuvenate her after a date. Right. So you know, I think it's a balance and a tension, you know, that. It's sometimes the moment's right, and it actually is um, good. And then there's been moments where I ruined the date completely. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and, and I paid for it. You should let me know. She reminds me of that. Um, so, yeah, man, it's been a little bit of both. Okay. All right, Ernie. So I know we're, like, skipping over a whole bunch because I've kept you longer than I really intended to. This is This is great. I hope I'm not keeping you from a lunch date with your wife right now but um can you kind of can you <laughs> no. kind of jump forward and tell us i mean you know from south africa and i know you're in nashville some i feel like you're in dallas if i remember right probably don't but you know now you're not i mean where are you now and what is god doing and i, I know you you're impacting lives wherever you go but where mm-hmm. are you yeah yeah so we currently live in west texas in midland odessa area we we live in odessa actually okay um, the permian basin the oil oil and gas world 
Um, we work for a church called Mid Cities Church, community church here. It's been here for 36 years. It's an incredible church we love being a part of. And then, you know, I'm the pastor of evangelism. And in the two areas that I oversee immediately, um, outside of just helping the church in general with evangelism, is college ministry and men's ministry. Yeah. So um, those, those are the two things I work in primarily. And then, you know, I also help our church at different departments. Um, and we'll do that more this coming year, helping them grow through evangelism. So like our kids ministry and volunteers, equipping them better to be more evangelistically inclined when they do kids ministry and same with youth ministry and, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so, yeah, Stephen, so what we do is really our great passion, Steve, is um, we believe as a movement, Mid-Cities is part of every nation, which is a, a global ministry. We, I think we have churches and campus ministries in 83 countries wow. currently. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I, I gave my life through, through, um, to Jesus through one of the outreaches in South Africa, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. and was reached on the campus. And we just really believe as a movement that we are called to the campus. We're called to campus ministry, church planning, and world missions. And that's pretty much the three things we really focus on. So, for instance, two weeks ago, I was in Orlando and in Jacksonville um, preaching the gospel. In four days, we had 265 college students give their life to the Lord. That's amazing. In um, four days. Man, you know, and, just, and I'm talking back, back forward and fall down at the, at the altar, wow. repenting in tears, giving their life to Jesus, and really seeing God change and touch them. Yeah. And it is beautiful, you know, yeah, there's nothing like beautiful. that, you know, seeing young people that still need to get married, that still is going to start companies and, you right. know, kind of deciding at a young age, we want to do this God's way, you know, and so we, and, and those are future church planners and future right. coaches and right. radio station um, people, right? And, um, <laughs> right. and, and moms and dads that's going to really determine the direction of society. So that's a big deal for us. Um, you know, and then I go and travel some and, and, and equip other churches to do specifically evangelism. That's when I met you in San Antonio. I was right. there to equip, and so I would train churches in evangelism, and then I actually would go on the campus and do a campus event. So at UTSA, when I was there with you, we had, I think, seven or eight people give their life to the Lord that night. Phenomenal. Um, at UTSA, um, yeah. you know, just people that encountered the gospel. And one thing, if I could leave people listening with anything, yeah. As I just know that if people hear the gospel, they will believe. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's a statistic, um, you know, that's I think fairly accurate that people need to hear the gospel at least 7.6 times, powerfully and accurately proclaimed for them to believe the gospel. You know, and I think that's mm. so important that we, um, as believers, know that God wants to use us to make known who He is to the world and those around us. And so, yeah, man, we love doing that, my friend, and I love what you do. I mean, thank you for what you do. This has been really encouraging. Well, thanks a lot. It's really been encouraging for us and such a blessing. Uh, man, I just love it. It just fills me up. Uh, for our podcast listeners or Facebook Live, um, if they want to just follow along and make sure they're praying for your ministry and praying for your family, uh, what is a good way that they can do that, Ernie? Um, you know what? I, I'm, I'm on Facebook. They can follow us on Facebook. Okay. I don't really have like a personal page for them to follow us, um, you know, or, or get in touch with us in any way like that. But it's Ernie Kruger, right. my Facebook page on, on, on there. Um, okay. I think one thing for them to pray for yeah. specifically is, um, is is just we, we work with a lot of college students. So we do character yeah. coaching with baseball teams and football teams. We just had some coaches here. And some of our universities where we live, give the life of the Lord two weeks ago. Praise God. Um, we started yeah. the discipleship process with them. So if they would just pray yeah. for God to give us wisdom and help us find more young leaders to work on these campuses and reach more people on the campus specifically for, with the gospel, that would be huge. So okay. I think just praying for us specifically, that would go a long way. So 
Yeah, man, I, I okay. think that's probably practically one of the best ways. Okay, yeah, that's phenomenal. Now, I'm going to um, – this isn't really fair since you've been sharing this whole time, but I'm going to ask you just to be praying for our listeners as God leads you. If you're uh, open to kind of closing our podcast that way, that would be phenomenal. Absolutely. All right, thanks, Ernie. Yeah, well, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for Steve and his team. Um, Lord, I thank you for very bold ministries. We pray, Father, as they equip, as they encourage, and, and to evangelize, Father, that that people that listen to this podcast really would feel better equipped, that they would be encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and that they would be effective as they evangelize, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray for every listener, Father, that knows you, that God, your word and your truth is in them, and your spirit is living inside of them. Lord, that you would embolden them. Father, Lord, I pray you would give them courage. Um, Lord, your word says in Joshua 1, um, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for the strength and the courage that comes through your word, that comes by the Holy Spirit in us as believers. And Lord, I pray that we would be, everyone listening, would be a people that's courageous, that courageously shares the gospel, that's, that's courageously taking the good mm-hmm. news of Jesus Christ to those around them who's needing the good news, Father God. Lord, you died for all the world, not for some, but for mm-hmm. all. And Lord, I pray that you would send us and use us mightily in our homes, with our families, with our communities, Father God, and with people in other places. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, uh, Ernie. Thank you for everything you shared. And uh, I know we still could have talked about a lot more, So, but uh, man, that just really blessed us and blessed me. So, um, man, I'm excited to see what God continues. I think you're awesome, so I can't wait to see what God continues to do. And, uh, man, it's also cool just, you know, knowing that you guys have impacted uh, Will and Aisa, you know, people that uh, were growing up with my daughter, one of my other daughters. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, man, it's just phenomenal. So, man, many blessings to you and uh, just really appreciate it a ton. Thank you so much, Ernie. Thank you, my friend. It was, it was a great honor to be with you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right. Hey, okay. Very Bold, I just want to tell you real quick, um, man, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to share this. You know, somebody will want to hear this, and it's just kind of them overhearing the gospel, overhearing about the power of God, and there's something about that that God will use. So you might want to share this with somebody that you think has been resisting, and and just pray about who God might want to have uh, you share this podcast with uh, Ernie Kruger um, today. So love you guys. And just as Ernie's been doing a great job of just repeating, and we have such a hope. We have such a hope. And that's why we are very bold. That's 2 Corinthians 3.12. God bless you and be very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. 